I don't know if my wife mentioned, but she's going to be gone next time. Did she mention that? You didn't mention that, did you? You didn't tell people, you didn't want to tell people you're going to Jamaica? No. Well, she's going to Jamaica. She won this trip for a business thing. and She's going to grab Anna, our daughter. They're going to, they're going to meet up. And I'm so glad I'm not going. I saw the pictures, and I said, that's not for me. Uh, pools and stuff. I, I got to have the woods. I got to have stuff. Northland. Yeah. But you're going to be fine. She made, a, she made up some food. Well, that was for the other day. That's right. She, made, she went with, with Sue and helped her out. The other, she made up a pot of pasta and you know goulash. That's what they call it, goulash. So thank you, Carrie. She's a good wife. She's a good wife. And uh, I'm going to say that once in a while. She knows that she's a good wife. And that. So back to Hebrews. Hebrews is our text. Uh, it's a, quite a book in itself. Hebrews. We don't know. It doesn't. We can't seem to come up with who's the actual author, the person. But we know God is the author. Yeah. God is the author of the book, the Bible, the scriptures. All scriptures, what? Inspired by God, right? Meaning God used men or people, vessels, to do his work. And he's still using people. Amen? He's still using, do I need water? Oh, that was earlier. Tickle's gone, but I'll take it anyway. You know what they say about a cup of water in a pulpit? A sign of a dry preacher. Thanks for laughing. That was a dry joke. Thank you. Hebrews chapter 6. Fifth chapter, we were dealing a little bit with how Jesus, oh, he, he learned obedience. Before we get to the sixth chapter, just a little, little bit of catch up. We talked about the priestly role. He is the absolute best priest. He is the only priest. And continues that role forever. He lives, he intercedes for us. He goes before us, before the Father. We can come into God's throne of grace because Jesus has made a way for us. We talked a little bit about in the fifth chapter the pain that seemed to, that the writer suggested or brought up that Jesus learned obedience through suffering. I don't like suffering. I don't like that much pain. But Jesus was willing to suffer for you and I so that we could be saved eternally. Now the title I've taken out of verse 19, just so you know where you're getting this stuff. You know, I try to get it out of the Bible. How many think that's a good thing? Hebrews chapter 6, I'm going to 
fast forward, then we're going to start at the front of the verses of the chapter. Verse 19 is where I got the inspiration for the, the title, which is Anchor of My Soul. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters at, and one which enters within the veil. And we just think about that for a moment. What what it does it mean to be? He is the anchor of our soul. You can really start to uh, draw some images of perhaps you were. Maybe you were fishing some day or one day ago or a long time ago and you, you put down the anchor because you wanted to stay in that, that place where the fish were biting. That's one, that's one way to look at it. Or you were on a cruise. Or you were in military, you were on a boat, but they, the anchor was an important thing. And even in Bible times, over and over again, you see Paul's missionary journeys. He was a couple times on a boat or a ship, and that boat even broke up. And uh, at times they were saved, other times they were uh, loaded in on planks and all the good stuff. Anchors. So in our crazy, busy world, in our spinning, ever-changing life, I was at the state fair with my wife a couple weeks ago. I liked the hat, the person. I, I missed the America I grew up in. That was on his hat. I said, I like that hat. I like your hat. Well, what I was thinking is America's lost some ground. We've lost ground in our spiritual roots. We've lost ground in our integrity. And the old-fashioned, you know, let's... Let's believe the Bible. We've lost some ground here. We need we need to we got a lot of work to do. Young people are being taught totally different things when they get to college or even in high school and on. Totally opposition to scripture. And so we need we need to have an anchor. We need to have a foundation, something that's going to keep us from being shipwrecked or drifting, as, as the writer of Hebrews said earlier in one of the chapters, be careful lest you drift, right? Be careful lest you kind of float away on your own and begin to just be casual in your faith instead of being intentional. How many enjoyed the speaker last week? I really enjoyed his, uh, his uh, illustration of the chicken and the pig. Remember that story? How the chicken laid an egg, made a contribution to the, to the breakfast, but the pig said, I commit my life. And he gave his life. Interesting comparison. So reading the text, verse 1. There it is. Therefore, there he goes again, the writer of Hebrews. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we shall do if God permits. So he's like he's saying, 
We know these things. You know these things. You already know these things, but let's move on. There's more. How many want to keep going in their faith? Pressing on from glory to glory. I want to be further in my faith and my understanding in a year, another year, another year, and I just want to keep growing. That takes work. It takes intentional studying and intentional keeping my mind toward the things of God. The pressing on. How many know you can't go back even though you may want to? You can't turn back the clock. I would grant it that most of us, if you're like me, learn more from your mistakes than you do from your successes. I don't know about you, but the failures of things, the mistakes of things sink in. The pain of it. Right? Don't look at me so plain face. What's he saying? Press on. Learn from your mistakes. Even when it doesn't seem comfortable, God may be trying to get you to move to another level somehow. Pressing through. We learn, like, I guess, oh, I know, we were watching the Walton. We watched the Waltons. I guess it reminds me of my childhood somewhat. Well, we didn't say goodnight, Linda, goodnight, Larry. We didn't do that. We just went to bed. But on that little show, the mother was talking about one of her boys that was learning how to walk. He was just a toddler. And she would want to run and pick him up and when he'd fall and cuddle him and, you know, hold him. And John, the father, said, just let him be. And let him struggle. And pretty soon he was, he was walking. He was able to walk across the room. God is often, you can do it by, your, by my spirit. You can, you can pray and believe. You can, you can step out of the boat. Peter, come to me on the water. And he was. He was on the water until he started to take his eyes off Jesus. And so for us to get to the next level, we've got to be willing to step out. Sometimes it's risky feeling. I'm not so sure. How about talking to strangers? Out of my comfort zone. I gotta kind of, you know, warm up somehow. I gotta kind of have a, I like to have an introduction. I like to have someone introduce me to somebody. But sometimes we need to say, hi, I'm so and so. What's your name? Now, not every one of us are good at that. My father in law was exceptionally good at counseling. He would, he would talk to total strangers and pretty soon they were like friends. He just could, he could just warm them up and he knew what to say. He could relate to especially people that were like himself. There was never a moment that I can remember ever going there when he was there that he did not offer me something to eat. Or he'd say, Lane, get this guy something to eat. I'd go over, you know, 
This is in our data years. It's something we learn. And so, the previous verse of 14, just before we got into chapter 6, talked to this very thing, because of practice their senses, that's in verse 14 of chapter 5, because of practice their senses, trained, they were trained, they, they had practice to discern good and evil. Now how many have ever been driving down the road and you have this conversation going on in your mind? Well, who are you talking to? I often talk to the Lord, or just, I'm just talking my mind. And then I think, did you answer me, Lord? Is that you, Lord? You been there? Or was that me? Now, just for example, this is fresh off the thing, you know, whatever, the press. I had a customer, and I'm not going to mention his name, but this is a couple years back, and it doesn't matter anymore. They had complications set in their life, and they couldn't pay me. And so I said, it's okay, just whatever, I'm going to leave it in the Lord's hand. That's what I said. He was a believer. And I'm sitting in my study yesterday, and the thought came to me, It'd be nice if he paid me. You know what I mean? And I went to the mailbox thinking, well, just whatever, junk mail, whatever. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> there it is. After probably two years, I just said, Lord, whatever. You know, there it is. That's nice. That'll come in handy. But was that the Lord or was that just myself? I happen to believe that was the Lord. Because I think he, he gets the, the practice, the little thing. God often speaks to us in such a little way that we overlook it. He says, oh, well, that's nothing. That's just no big deal. But wait a minute. God is not too big that he doesn't speak to us in little ways and confirms to us that you're on the right track. How do you orchestrate when you look back on some current events, maybe in your own life, you say, I could not have planned it. God is in, in, in control. And that is exactly, I believe, what the, the, reader, the writer of Hebrews is getting because of practice, their senses. Now, here's how it works. We can sense sometimes by the help of the Holy Spirit that something's not right. Something's wrong in a person's life. Something's going on in the spiritual realm. God, the Holy Spirit, may be wanting you to pray for one of your children. God, the Holy Spirit, may bring to mind a person that's close to you. It just pops in your head. Could it be that the Lord is saying you need to pray now? Right? There have been testimony after testimony. And one comes to mind, and I knew this is another place, this is another time, this is way back in the Stone Age years, 
we started out in ministry and we had seasoned people, seasoned saints, seasoned believers in the fellowship. And one of those persons were on their knees scrubbing the floor at the same time the name of their son-in-law came into their mind and they began to pray with fervency. Only to learn that their son-in-law had been in a terrible car accident and he had been launched and he was lying there for a season, a period of time, he could not move. And then all of a sudden he felt this warmth go through his body and he was able to move. I believe that was absolute God thing. God speaking to a person that is sensitive, having their senses trained. That's something that is learned. That is something that we learn by experience. And so if we press on, what is the writer saying? Let's believe. We know these elementary things, such as the maturing, the resurrection. We know about the eternal judgment. We know a lot of the basics, but we're pressing on. We're not to stay as a so-called baby in Christ, but to become mature in the things of God. Does that make sense? Press on. God is, God is always at work in us to work through us. And Paul said it himself in Philippians chapter 3, now Paul of all people had reached a level, probably of a mature level, he had so many things that he had to rest through. And God was teaching him, and even Paul said it this way, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. What is he saying? I'm not there yet. I'm still in process. I'm still learning. You know what a follower of Jesus is? A disciple. Well, you know what a disciple means? A learner. Ah. The Waltons again came to mind. Grandma on the Walton, she said something to the last episode like this. They're all in that age where they know it all. She was frustrated over her grandchildren. They didn't have a time to listen to what she had to say. How many better? With your kids, with whatever. It, it tests you. Now, Paul says, the one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. I can't go back in history. I can only learn. And I'm, I'm choosing to reach forward to what is ahead. I press on toward the prize. What is the prize? The call of God is heaven. It's eternity with Jesus. I press on. I'm going to believe there, you know, there is an award, there is a reward. That leads me to my second point. When we press on, it's worth it. Not only here now, but in the days to come with the Lord. When you pass the test, so to speak, when you maybe even didn't pass the test, but you learn now, God is saying, yes, he's learning, he's coming along. I have great plans for you. I have even other, I have more work for you. As long as we have a breath, I believe God has us here for purpose. Well, work, meaning 
Some of us think, well, what's that? You know, what's that look like? If you've got a breath, you can still pray. Amen? If you've got a mind, you can still pray. How important prayer is in the kingdom is huge. So secondly, God rewards work, 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 work. A good work they did in Nehemiah's day comes to mind. You know, they had a mind to work to rebuild the city's walls. Nehemiah started uh, with a burden that came from the Lord. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 through 24 says this. Colossians 3, 23, 24 says this. Whatever you do. Whatever you do, do your work, what? Heartily, as for the Lord rather than for man. Huge attitude thing here. What, whatever I do, you mean the Lord even sees what I do? Doesn't seem to make much difference, but it does if I don't take the trash out, it's going to pile up, right? Right? I gotta do so much of our Christianity is the mundane things, the ordinary routines of life. And yet God is saying, Yes, that's important. Do it as unto me. And there is reward for your work. Attitude, attitude, attitude. It's huge. Corinthians, I want to look a bit just to help us remind us. That there is reward for work unto the Lord. First Corinthians chapter three, verse ten. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation. And others building upon it, but let each man be careful how he builds upon it. And what is Paul saying? Well, Jesus saved me. I'm I am now on the road to help others find Jesus, I'm going to work with the Lord. You know, the Lord is building His church. We're working with Him. We're a part of it. And there's no other foundation but Jesus. So be careful how you build on it. We cannot try to put another Jesus in the foundation. Jesus, the true God, is the only one. Now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, these are all terms that are simple, right? Wood. I can understand wood, hay, straw. Each man's work will become evident for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire. And fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Quality. If any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. This is not about salvation. Okay? This is about reward in heaven for those who have been faithful. There will be a testing of our work. And I'll You'll say, well, I, I can't do as good as he can. God doesn't measure that. What has God given you? And what God has given you, then that's what God is wanting you to go forth in. 
similar to the parable of the talents, which is money. One was given one, one was given several. The one that really lost out was the one that said, I, I, I can't do nothing, I'm just, I'm afraid I'm going to hide it. All right there. And he didn't invest it. And he lost out a reward. This is what we know is the judgment seat of Christ. We can look forward to this day if we honor the Lord and what we do. I have an attitude. Thank you, God. The attitude is still huge. And so, if I do my work to be seen by men only, then my reward probably will be lost. If I do my work unto the Lord and don't really care, anyone recognizes it, only want to serve the Lord, there's reward. Jesus even said, if you give a cup of cold water to a little one, there's reward for you. How many sometimes you feel your job, you just, I don't know, am I making a difference? Does it really matter? God sees your heart. You may be working to help provide for your family, but you also may be working to see the difference you can make by giving to missions. Just an example. Or you may be saying, I can make a difference. I can help. I can go on a mission trip. I can reach out to my neighbor. I can bring them cookies. I can do something. I can offer a help. You know, there's so many ways, practical ways, to love on people. How are we doing? Are you worn out yet? How many say, and this pastor, he just drives, don't he? He drives a hard driver. I like work. I had to be careful. Work don't become my thing before God. I've got to keep it in order. That's just a struggle. The work that is yet to be done there's so much, so much, so much, so much need. And you say, Lord, what can I do? What can I do? Listen to the still, small voice. Recognize that, is this God? Are you wanting me to be part of this? It's just, no, more, maybe I'm behind the scenes. I love this verse of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. As you know, the writer of Ecclesiastes was Solomon. He had so much stuff. He, he was blessed by God over and over and over and over again. He kind of shrunk, lost some ground later in his life because of this so much stuff and his wives says, took his heart away from God. Yet we can glean from his, even his mistakes. He says this, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 12 and 13, I know that there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's life. And he's talking, he's analyzing, he's reflecting on life. I know that there's nothing better for them than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. I don't know what it is about men, but they like to talk about their jobs. They like to talk about their work, because that's a great big part of their identity. 
Women perhaps like to talk more about their feelings about their work. Come on. How did you feel when you did that? What was it like? Gary will ask me, how are you doing? Oh, I said, I did this, I did that, I did that. I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know, I, I'm tired. Are you guys with me? Yes. We've got to work on it. We grunt a few words and, you know, he's crabby. Come on. Is it 27 years now? You and I. 37. 27. We've been here 27. Yeah. And so it's kind of like you get used to each other, but still we need to be intentional. We're, we we bring that, well, Carrie, she brought that word up a few times, intentional, intentional, be intentional, be intentional. For our third point, we've got to move on. We're, we're losing. We're moving on. The third point, he passed through, and that where it comes to verse uh, 19. Back to Hebrews. And if you're like me, you lose your place in the Bible, and you go, uh-oh. Nineteenth verse. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul. When everything around you has been turned upside down. Maybe it's you're entering a season of change. Doesn't feel that comfortable. Something's uncertain. Something's stern. We've never done that before. Never felt that before. This pain flares up. Never had that pain there before. Come on. Seasons of life. Jesus understands every one of them. When he walked this earth, he understood. He put himself in this environment. He became flesh and dwelt among us. At the same time, he remains God. He had been tempted in everything, yet without sin. And he kept on keeping the focus that he was going to die for the sins of the world and he passed through death and on the other side was resurrection because we have pain is because of the sin of Adam and Eve because we need a redemption a redeemer because of Adam and Eve's sinning we all have the same problem but one man, just as one man sinned, it says one man gave his life. And that name is Jesus, who becomes our Redeemer. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 mentioned this very, very uh, interesting. He is the radiance of his glory, he is exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. 
power. This is speaking of Jesus. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand. Now, he's not sitting up in heaven, not doing anything. That means he's in the place of honor. He said, I'm going to go to prepare a place for you, John 14. Right? And Romans says that he intercedes. Right? He's praying. And let's take a peek at the end of the book of Hebrews. Are you like me when I read a book, I sometimes turn to the end and, uh oh. Chapter 12 says it's, it's very similar. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. In other words, Jesus showed us how to live. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. The cross was not joy. The other side of the cross was joy. He went through. He pressed through. He passed through the veil. And it says this very same thing that he did in earlier in the chapter 1. Despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God. It is we can't work for it. We can't earn it. We cannot live good enough. Absolute gift. Just believe. That brings salvation. After we believe and we're saved, he changes our heart to want to do good things. That's the Lord. <laughs> he changes our heart to want to do something we say, oh, no, no, no. That's not me. Someone else can do that. Isn't it good how the Lord is patient with us? He's helping us get to the next level. Well, you say, I don't want to do that. Well, what if you say, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. And help me to do it. Help me to have courage. Help me to take that step. He's for you. Who can be against you? Who can stand in the way of the wall? Oftentimes we are our worst hindrance. The movie says. Because we start, if you're like me, starting to compare ourselves to other people. We start comparing our gifts to other people's gifts. Everyone is needed. Everyone is important. Every person in this church is valuable. Every person in our community that God has saved and that is going to save, God loves them just as much. He loves the sinner just as much as he loves the saint. Saints are people who are coming to faith. We are only saints in Christ. And so we are in this process. And I need an anchor. And we talked about this earlier in our message. The anchor of our soul. When everything is chaos, when everything is upside down, we can still have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Burning a lamp in our hearts, a light in our soul that says, even if 
we don't live the three Hebrew children. Even if God doesn't rescue us from the fiery furnace, we will not bow down. We will not give up our faith in God. It is worth it. This anchor is something that will last forever and forever. This world will and is passing away. The new heavens and earth will come in its new time. And you and I can stay strong, can stay on the course because of his wonderful, redeeming salvation that is offered. Now, my old background, all the years I grew up in the church, we sang old hymns. When's the last time, if you know this hymn, have you sang, I've anchored in Jesus? Does anyone know that song? Maybe a few. I chose this song because it fits our title. I've anchored in Jesus. So whatever is going to happen in the next course of life, your faith is in Jesus, right? You're going you're gonna to make it. God's going to keep you strong. God's going to see you through it.